So everything in the manifest universe is the result of energy that is generated by the action of these three gunas, said to be gunas. Guna means rope or thread. And the three gunas are uh, sattva, which is radiant, expressive, expansive, and tamas, which is dull and compressive and inertial, and rajas, which is the motion, the action between these two poles. So these three are said to be, the, the, the action of them results in energy, and energy then uh, expresses and manifests as this whole universe. So everything is made of the gunas, but they're made of the gunas producing or expressing as energy. So everything that we can see, touch, taste, feel, everything in the material expressive world is really just forms of energy. And of course, our our physicists, they tell us they have a model to, to explain how everything works and to be able to predict and use and so their ex explanation is that at the very smallest, smallest, smallest level, um, we have subatomic particles and these subatomic particles come together because, and they are made of energy. They're not things. They're actually little bands of energy. They come together in relationship and they create or they express as uh, protons and neutrons and electrons and photons. And these are all forms of energy forms of energy and the forms of energy have relationships between one another so the center of atoms which and atoms make up everything that we can touch and taste and see and feel and everything is atoms and so these atoms are made of neutrons and protons and electrons and protons are positively charged electrons are negatively charged the positive proton and the negative electron attract one another, so they have this attractive relationship. And if we've ever played with magnets, we know that if we take a positive charge and a positive charge and we try to put them together, they repel. So positive attracts negative. And the way these electrons are made up, they have a polarity. So there's a, you know, there's this nucleus on one side, this uh, this proton and neutron, and on this side over here, we have the electron that is said to be moving around, and, and for the sake of uh, the model of the description, we can say, okay, well, there's electrons that are moving around the center, and, and the whole atom has kind of a polarity. So, so then the polarity of these atoms allows them to come into relationships we, with each other in certain ways. So if we take iron, for example, the, the uh, atomic element iron, and we put a bunch of these atoms together and the molecules and the molecules into a structure that's actually a steel bar, an iron bar, the, the way that the atoms are wound up or, or, or organized in there are kind of random. And so, they, so the positive end of this atom and the negative are kind of, they poke around and they're just randomly organized. However, if we put a magnetic field around this iron, it causes all the electrons to line up in one direction and all the protons to line up in one direction. And so the, the cumulative effect of all this lining up in one way is that there's a field is generated, an electric magnetic field. And 
uh, and we know from our you know basic understanding of electricity, which is kind of what runs everything in the world these days, that uh, we can take a wire, a copper wire, and move it through a magnetic field, and the magnetic field causes electrons to flow in the wire. So this is how electricity is generated. We take a, a rotor, something that's turning, we turn it with uh, steam, we, you know, we heat up a big kettle of water, make steam with pressure, and that turns the rotor, and the other end of the rotor has magnets, and the magnets rotate inside of a coil of wire, and the magnets rotating inside the coil of water wire generate electricity. So there are so so everything that we have as far as our material substance, what we're made of, and everything that we use in the world is the result of the interaction of energetic fields. So we have these electromagnetic fields, and we talk about, you know, the electromagnetic radiation that results in what we see. This is all, uh, you know, a little narrow band of electromagnetic. We always say electromagnetic because there is an electrical and the magnetic component to all this expression, to everything that's happening. And when we move an electron, it generates a magnetic field. When we move energy, we generate a field. So this is basic physics. So we just had, we just graduated from physics 101 and we can move on to, um, to what we really want to talk about, which is the field. So when we think about our awareness, we talk about the field of awareness and the tendency is to think of this as the mind and that the mind is held and contained inside of this box, this bony box. And the mind is inside of here. But the reality is that the mind is not contained in the little box. Like the magnet, the little bar magnet is the piece of steel, but around that is where the magnetic field is. In the same way, our mind is a field that extends beyond the confines of our body, of our physical outline. We have this field of awareness, this mind, and the mind actuates and runs through. It interacts with the neurons and the, the components of the brain, which, which helps it to interact and to function, but it is not contained in the neurons. It is not contained in the material. It is this field of awareness, field of awareness. Okay, so our mind is expanded, is beyond what we normally think of, and we have, you know, we, you know, we know this is true. I mean, um, everybody's had that sensation where you're you're standing somewhere, maybe you're in a room or you're in the store or something, and and you have this feeling that somebody's watching you. You know, you turn around and there's somebody's actually looking at you, noticing you. Wow, what's how does that work? You know, we can't see them, but there is this field, this awareness that we are sensitive to. And then we have, you know, many, many uh, studies have been done now for the last you know, 40 years or so on things like telepathy and connections where, you know, something's happening in this awareness that extends far, far beyond our ability to think of it in material terms. Uh, I was just reading about a, a study that was done, uh, telepathy between animals. So so they, they actually, I mean, this was science, 
published in a scientific peer-reviewed journal. And what they did is they had the, uh, a woman who was very close to her little corgi, her little dog, and lived with her parents. And the parents had noticed that, um, that the corgi would jump up and run over to the little window. It had a low window in the house that the, that the little dog could see out. And he'd run over to this window and start looking and anticipating when the owner was coming home, when, his, when the, you know, the, the late young lady. Uh, and, and he would be, be sitting there about 10 minutes before she would come home. No matter where she went, how long she was gone, 10 minutes before she would come home, the dog was up and, and waiting at the window. So, um, so they did this experiment. They took a camera, a video camera, in the house to, to tape the dog. And they took a camera with the person, with the owner. And, and, and they wanted this to be as as controlled as possible so they didn't want anything to interfere with the science so they said what you're going to do is we're going to have one of our assistants take you to another town so you're going to go like 30 40 miles away and we're not going to tell you when when you're going to come home it's going to be randomly chosen there'll be a random time later on today sometime that you'll come home and so and so they and they coordinated the time code on these two cameras. And so one camera was watching the woman, one camera was watching the dog. And so they went to this town and uh, went out to lunch and went shopping. And so about five or six hours later, the call came, it's time to come home. And they even arranged to have her come home in a taxi cab. So there wasn't her car. There was nothing, you know, no connection there. So, uh, and so the, the video shows the dog within less than a minute of when the call came for her to come home and she started coming home, the dog was up and sitting at the window waiting. So this is interesting. See? And, these, and, and there've been several experiments like this done. So the mind now is this field that extends out far beyond us and, when we talk about attention, you know, we say we pay attention while we're using part of this field. And the word attention comes from attendare, it's a Latin word, and tendare means to stretch or reach. So attention, attendare is to stretch or to reach out. So when we pay attention, we are using this field, we are stretching out part of this field of awareness to touch uh, either elements, things in the world, individuals, or ideas and concepts, but we are we are actually uh, altering the field and changing it and stretching it in directions and incorporating whatever it is that we're touching with the mind, touching with the mind, paying attention to, paying with our energy. So this field is a field of energy, of life force, and so. So this can be a useful model uh, for us to, to use because when we talk about blending our awareness, blending our consciousness with mass consciousness, well, mass consciousness is the, this larger field that our field exists within. So, and also the field of the tree that's outside the house. There is consciousness 
in that tree and it has an expressive quality and it has a field which we can sense you know it's very subtle very quiet they say you know trees are living in a much much slower time scale than we are so if you want to have a conversation with a tree you better be patient you better plan to come back day after day to finally you know begin to have that conversation that communication however we can relate we can relate to the end of the creatures you know we see the interaction if we've ever had a pet a cat dog anything that we've spent much time with we know that there's a connection that's happening it's not verbal it's not part of the narration it's not part of the story but it's very real it's a very real experience and we have a very real experience of places we go we walk into a place and sometimes we walk into a place and it's like i do not belong here i need to leave i remember one time i was uh having trouble a little car trouble my uh I was having trouble with a starter or something in my car and I was down in Atlanta and I was down not too far from the airport and not too far from the airport is not a, the best part of town. It's, you know, a little bit scary. And I remember pulling into a, a gas station there to get, I think it was to get water for the radiator or some, something, whatever was happening. And I remember I, I, uh, I pulled in there so because the, the car was overheating and I got out to get the water and I looked around and I thought, this is really not the place I need to be. I mean, this is the kind of place where you lock the doors, roll up the windows and keep going. So there's a feeling, see, it's not intellectual. There's a feeling that, that this, that we touch with our mind, with our field of awareness. And at the same time, um, you walk into one of these thousand year old cathedrals in Europe, you know, that is just this, amazing you walk in and and it just takes you it opens you it's there's this feeling of opening and expansiveness that's created by the space okay so so it can be useful for us to to relate to what is going on to our nature as this field of awareness okay and with this field of awareness that we're carrying around our magnetic electromagnetic field our awareness field consciousness energy this is us um, uh, within this field we talk about how the fluctuations so there are variations that are happening in this field just like there are variations um, in the energy field that you pick up on your radio or this little this little cell phone this little device that you carry around well the way this works is there's an electromagnetic field there's frequencies there's I mean, actually there's lots of fields um, they're coming from the satellites they're coming from the cell towers you know we're we're living in a sea of frequencies and in, in fields and and this little phone this little device is attuned to a specific frequency so of all the thousand frequencies that are that are bombarding us that are coming from every direction your phone is attuned to one discrete frequency that allows it to communicate with the cell tower or the satellite and and so by attuning that and and locking into that frequency the frequency then is attenuated so the frequency moves 
uh, a little up and down the frequency range and that attenuation is translated into sound or it's translated into the data, the information that creates the, the picture. So everything that we're seeing through our computers and our tablets and all this is the result of fluctuations in energy. The fluctuations in energy result in sound, result in the pictures, result in all these things. And the same way, the fluctuations in our field of awareness result in thoughts and feelings. So, so what we talk about when we're talking about going into meditation is to allow the frequencies, allow these fluctuations to subside, to turn the volume, the amplitude down. And as we turn the volume down, it becomes quieter and quieter. And our field of awareness is able to reach out and to be sensitive in, at a greater and greater distance. And again, this is a model. We're talking about distance and, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things there's no space and no time and but for the sake of discussion and for the sake of the model as we turn that as we turn the amplitude down as the fluctuations become quieter and quieter then we become sensitive to more and more subtle levels of vibration more and more subtle levels of connection and communication so if you have something that's making a ter terrible racket, loud noise, then you can't hear what's going on. You turn the racket down, and then it becomes easier to hear what's going on in the conversation. We turn that down, and it becomes even easier to hear these very subtle, very quiet fluctuations, vibrations, sensations. So in our Kriya Yoga discipline, we talked about the other day, um, uh, Patanjali says that we practice Kriya Yoga. We engage in these practices intentionally, our discipline, self-study, letting go of the sense of separation, the ego. We practice these in order to, number one, allow ourselves to wake up so that we can experience samadhi, that is oneness consciousness. Now, oneness consciousness means our field, we experience our field as part of one field. Rather than being like a separate component that's got a little membrane, a little wall around it, but rather instead, it's a field, it's a fluctuation within a larger field, which is mass consciousness, which is God. So this is one reason that we practice our Kriya Yoga. The other is to remove the obstacles, the things that stand in the way of our clear experience, our clear expression, our clear clear experience of life, of reality. And so what stands in the way, what are the obstacles that stand in the way? These are called uh, cliches or uh, distortions in the fluctuations. They're like static in the field of awareness that create problems for static. So, and Patanjali says there are, basically these can be um, looked at as five different categories. And the first one is, Avidya, which means ignorance, it means we're missing the point. Ignorance, we're not wise. Vidya is wise and avidya is not wise. So we're ignorant. So ignorance is the basic cause of all the problems, is this basic ignorance. We mistake what is permanent for being impermanent and what is real for being unreal. We have these, you know, we're just completely missing the point. So this ignorance underlies all the other uh, conditions that create problems for us. 
And then, uh, then the second one is the ego. That is the sense, the feeling of separate. Our field is separate from all the other fields, is separate from the one master field. And so because we feel separate, we feel outside, we feel incomplete. There's something that is missing, uh, something we need. And this is based in ignorance now because we're missing the point. We're not aware, we're not wise to what's really happening. We feel ourselves to be separate. And so this creates conditionings and problems. And then the next one is passion. That is attachment. We are attached to the things that feel good for pleasure, for our memory of what was what feels good, for something that will give us a good time. You know, so we get attached, attached, and these passions, these attachments, these fluctuations control us because now we're we're looking for, we're trying to manipulate the universe. We're trying to control the people around us and the environment and circumstances in order to recreate these pleasurable experiences. And then the next one is hatred or aversion. And this is basically negative attachment. This is pushing away the things that we're afraid of, the things that, uh, that are unpleasant, the things that have created problems for us in the past. And so we have these aversions, frustrations, anxieties, and this, this creates this hatred. And so this is the pushing away. So we have attraction on one side and a, and a repulsion on the other side. And these two things are also controlling us. So now we're being moved around, manipulated by our own conditionings, our own ideas about being attracted and being repulsed. And then the fifth one is fear. Fear of death, fear that we will not, not persist, fear that we will not survive. And of course, this fear also takes the form of, um, you know, being rejected. So, so the little death is, you know, we got disrespected, we got kicked off the team, we're not part of this anymore. And this, of course, reinforces the ego, the sense of separation, and, uh, you know, feeds into this overall ignorance, this sense of ignorance. So, so these are, these are these, the conditionings, the things that are limitations. And Patanjali said, says, you know, there's a solution to this. You know, we don't have to be limited. We don't have to suffer with these conditionings. And so what do we do? And, and the first thing is to be able to, to neutralize these by doing the opposite. So when we find that we really have these strong attachments and attachments to things, then we can look at neutralizing those attachments by, by coming into the awareness of what's happening there and letting them go. The same with these strong aversions, the same with fear, and the same with this sense of separation. We look for ways of balancing, neutralizing, harmonizing, and and this and this uh, this sense of separation, this idea, feeling that we're somehow disconnected and outside, is one of the real real serious causes of suffering because it is this sense of being incomplete that really drives our attachments. We're looking for something to make ourselves complete and the aversions, the things we're pushing away because we think those are going to make us less complete. 
And so this, this really drives us. So this thing at the, that's underneath all this is really this feeling, this sense of not belonging, not being whole. Something's missing. Something's missing. If I could just, you know, get the formula right, if I could eat the right food, if I could hang out with the right people, if I could do whatever the right thing is, then I would finally be whole and complete. And so, so we are driven by desires, and the desires are driven by this lack, this sense of lack, not not being whole, not being complete. And so, uh, if we look at the the teaching of the Buddha, they say the first his first teaching after he was enlightened, sitting there under the Bodhi tree, was was the four noble truths. And the four noble truths of Buddhism start off with dukkha. Dukkha is suffering. There is suffering. And of course, uh, this dukkha, this suffering is not just the big suffering. You know, you fall down and break your leg. That's suffering. Um, a loved one dies. That's suffering. But uh, when you go to the grocery store and you can't find a parking place that's close and you have to park way out in the, in the North 40, that's suffering. This is uncomfortable. This is discomfort. When you go to the freezer in the in the refrigerator and you discover that the ice cream is all gone, whoever came last, they ate the last of it and didn't put it back on the list. And there's no ice cream. Suffering, dukkha, desire, desire um, that is unfulfilled creates this suffering. And he says that that this suffering comes from this desire. So the second noble truth is Trishna, thirst. So here I am suffering, and so now I have a thirst for something to relieve my suffering, something to make me complete, something to fill in the blank. So I have a desire for things to be different than they are. I'm suffering, whether it's a little bit, you know, like I want the ice cream, or I prefer to have that parking place up front because it's raining, or, you know, or some, or some major thing. Um, but I would desire for it to be different. So this is thirst, Trishna. So we thirst for something that we feel is missing. We thirst for something to be different than what it is right now. So our suffering is the result of this sense of incompletion. Our, it's driven by this thirst. And then he says the third noble truth is Narodha. That is to pacify the thirst so if we can pacify the thirst if we can stop the desire or if we can interfere and make it less and less the less desire the less we will suffer until we can come to the point where if we can if we can naroda if we can pacify resist restrain these uncontrolled desires enough we finally will come to the place where we feel content it's okay. Yes, I have to walk in the rain across the parking lot. You know, I'm at the, the big box store and it's a quarter of a mile to get over there because it's a busy day. But so I get wet, you know, I can be okay with that. It doesn't have to disturb me. It doesn't have to create suffering. The ice cream's not there. It's like, okay, I'll just go have a cookie, you know. We don't have to, we can, we can live in contentment all the time and have this be our ground. So the fourth noble truth is 
that there is a path, there is a way to Naroda to re resist and restrain the desires that will result in the, the elimination of our suffering. So this is the basic Buddhist approach. This is the Four Noble Truths. And so we see a correlation here with Patanjali in our Yoga Sutras. He says, if we start to live intentionally, if we're living a disciplined life, if we're paying attention, if we're studying ourselves and noticing what needs to be fixed and where we're, you know, wobbling a little bit and what we can do to change, to improve. And if we're working on feeling ourselves to be part of this larger reality, we're working on letting go of this ego, the sense of separation so that we don't have, we don't feel separate. We don't feel incomplete. We don't feel like we need something in order to be finished. We can be finished already. And then we can engage and have a life of living on purpose, mindfully, not to get something, not to accomplish something, but rather to be able to participate in life. See, it's like I remember Alan Watts saying, we don't, we don't dance in order to see how fast we can get across the dance floor. We dance to dance. We don't live in order to, you know, finally uh, get enough experience points to get off the planet to make it to the next level. We live to live. This expressive universe is, is expressing as us, living as us, through us, for the sole purpose of living, of expressing, of experiencing. We are it, you see. We're not separate from it. So, so when we can kind of get onto that, and remind ourselves of that and look for the, use our attention, you know, stretch our field out, reach out with our awareness and our attention to begin to feel the connection that we have with all of life, with all the, uh, all the, you know, the beautiful environment. I'm sitting here on top of a mountain looking out, you know, it rained this morning and there's clouds and the mountains off in the distance and it's like, this is really awesome, you know, to be able to reach out and keep ourselves attuned to all the wondrous things that are going on in life instead of allowing our field to be touching negativity and fear and anxiety and upset and all these things that really create a lot of disharmony within us. And the disharmony within us in this field, remember, the field is not this field, the field is the whole thing. So our, our mind is not contained and is not broadcast from inside between the ears. It's broadcast from, from the brain and from the heart and from the organs. All of this is one organic whole. And the brain, the neurons, everything that's wired up and talking to each other is all the way through the system from your big toe to the top of your head. It's one thing, and this field of awareness extends from our, from, our, from our whole being, not from one locality. And so we can learn to really pay attention to this field as it's expressing in this body, so we can be, become sensitive. What's happening in the body? How does it feel? How does it feel about where I, where I am right now and what I'm doing? Are there things I can do to help? create harmony within this field, resonance and harmony within this field by making sure I get enough sleep and have proper nutrition and get some exercise and do all the things that create harmony and balance inside the field. 
And then can I look to the way I'm interacting with the world and with other individuals in such a way that I create resonance and harmony in the field on all levels? So I don't allow these disturbances to come along. I mean, we, we want to be aware of what's happening. We want to know what's going on, but we don't have to let what's going on affect us. We can, and to the degree we're able to, to be sensitive to the, creating this harmony and this balance of our field, our field of awareness, um, we feel more and more connected. We feel that our field is part of this larger field. And we begin to resonate with peace and harmony and contentment. And no matter what's happening out there in the world and no matter what's going on in the environment, we can always be grounded in this awareness of our nature as spiritual beings having the spiritual adventure of a lifetime. See? And we can do this. We can do this. So, you know, I, I, I personally, I have a, a, a fascination with, a love with for magnets i have all kinds of little magnets and big magnets and i love to see how these things click together and affect other things and you know it's really quite uh quite remarkable because the whole time we're playing with these little pieces of material substance that have these fields and they're interacting and it's really for me it's a really good metaphor and a good reminder about the fact that our field you know extends uh, far beyond this little material. Um, a friend of mine was, uh, we were talking about uh, a healing process that he had uh, experienced years before. Actually, he's a, he's a osteopath and really quite an interesting healer. And he said, I went to a, a seminar one time and they were uh, explaining how you could take a very powerful magnet and put, put a very powerful magnet in each hand and stretch those out and then just sit there and rest there and that it would have an effect on your energetic field and create balance and, and you know a healing effect for some things and you had to get the make sure that you had the right polarity and i think it was the negative pole facing down on both sides and uh, and it had to be a pretty pretty substantial magnet so so i added this very powerful magnet to my collection of magnets actually two of them and and they came as a a little thing probably you know just slightly bigger in diameter than a ping pong ball uh and about about oh, almost an inch thick and just a little metal chunk you know around with about an inch thick and there were two of them and they had a little uh metal or a little uh fiber plastic spacer in between and I took these two magnets to do this experiment and and I could not get them apart. I mean it took every it took every bit of the strength that I had these two little little things, every bit of strength I had to slide them apart very carefully, and as I slid them apart, I had to also move them because if they started to click together, they would smash my finger i mean this is this is an intense field and this, you know, these two things together are about that long and about that big around. I mean, it's powerful. And you take that, you know, you take that magnet and uh, have a nail that's three feet away and the nail starts to move. So 
So we have, we know these fields exist and we know we can experiment and play with them. And we can also experiment and learn to attune ourselves and to use our field, our awareness, you know, our, this field of awareness, we can reach out with our attention. We can stretch out with our attention, feel the world, feel the individuals around us. And we know we do this already. I mean, you, when you meet someone, your field that's coming from your heart, there's actually, and they measure this electromagnetic field. This is not, this is science. Um, but this field that is interacting with other individuals also feels and reads the, the field of the other individual. And sometimes we meet someone and it's like, this is, you know, it's like I just met my brother. Here I am, you know all these years and it's just like you know resonate this is a member of my family it's that there's this instant attunement and sometimes we meet someone and it's like remember the the positive repels the positive well sometimes we meet someone and we just don't click it's like there's just i don't know what it is i can't put my finger on it i don't know you know you try to analyze and think about it but there's just something that does not resonate and we just don't get along not that we're judgmental, not that we put people down, but there's just some people we just don't want to spend time with, you know? And there's other people that it's like, wow, you know, this is really pleasant. And so, and of course we feel this, uh, you know, I remember I was talking yesterday about being with Roy, with Mr. Davis, and, and you know, there was this feeling, this field that he generated that was intense, you know? You just sit in the room, and, and we didn't have to say anything. There was just this, this amazing consciousness, this field that was, that was very experiential. So, so we can practice letting go of the restrictions, these fluctuations that are negative, that are limiting, that keep our field compressed, that keep us limited and dense, that stand in the way of our being able to really be expansive, expressive and to be interacting and touching the world in the ways that we're designed to. All right, so uh, so are there any questions? Hi, Ron, I come, just come up with one idea about this electromagnetic field. When we think about the um, Kriya Pranayama, when we move the current up and down, do we create this field or strengthen this field in the spine? Yes, this is what uh, you know. One of the, one of the things energetically for, and for those of you who are not Kriya initiates, there is a, a, a practice where we move energy intentionally. And as I said to begin with, when we move energy, it generates a field. So the movement of energy in physics in the world generates a field, and this happens. This is reflected on subtle levels as well. So when we generate, when we move energy in the body intentionally we are actually creating a field around that and this field can be directed so uh, so for our kriya pranayama we are we are generating the subtle field which has a has what they, they tell us and, and my experience has been that it tends to neutralize these fluctuations so some of these karmas some of these uh conditionings some scars they're actually uh, balanced, they're neutralized to some degree just by the movement of this energy in our system, in our subtle system, in the mind, um, in the chitta, in the field of awareness. 
And so this is, a, this is one of the transformative effects of our Kriya Pranayama. We can also, you know, you can also learn to be able to direct this life force. So we are, you know, we're using this for meditation practice and for clarifying the mind and awareness. But there are some healers who are able to take the same life force, the same energy and generate a field in their hands that can then be used to interact with another person and actually heal. So, so these are these are very real things, and they're very experiential, and and you know we can experiment, play with those if it's useful, if, you, if we if we uh, are interested. Um, but for us, most important is our meditate, our regular meditation, because even just the process of flowing our attention. What are we doing when we flow our attention? Remember, attention is to reach out, is to reach out. So we are. In this field of awareness, we are reaching out to this larger field of awareness. And in the process, when we make the connection and to whatever level, to whatever degree, even if it's not, you know, even if we're not enlightened and, and feeling ourselves floating in samadhi, to whatever degree we're effective at making that connection, there's a resonance, there's a harmony that has this neutralizing, balancing, um, enlivening, enlightening um, process that happens within our system so so yes yeah, so, the kriya pranayama is transformative and meditation itself just focusing attention reaching out and this is why we say when we're meditating we're not just sitting here to relax but we're actively reaching out we're actively intending we're actually looking searching and this is not an intellectual process we're searching we're reaching out with our field of awareness to feel the connection with this larger field of awareness okay so wow let's go sit and meditate some more this is interesting we can do this so um that was a good question walter um i so what you just said when we're reaching out that's more of um a feeling versus a thinking a mental correct yes Yes. So also, I I did some investigation about different frequencies, and um, I found that as you go up in frequencies, like there are some items that are higher frequency, like crystals and stones, and then higher than that is... Um, the aroma, the essential oils. So as we are meditating and quieting our mind um, and, and we're reaching up into our crown center, um, so I think as, as that progresses, that's just uh, moving ourselves into a higher and higher frequency. Is, is that correct? Well, um, the, the the danger in that in thinking that way. I mean, on, on one level, yes, we're you know we're trying to to resonate at a at a deeper level. Um, but when as soon as we start comparing and saying higher and lower, then we set up a structure. And when we're listening deeply within, Om can be a very resonant deep. It's not a high frequency. High frequency is. Ee and this can be very, very low. So, 
So the mind tends to, to think then, well, is this higher frequency? Um, and so our experience of that can be, you know, can create more thought processes. Marty tells us, Marty Wetke, you know, who's a master of neurofeedback and brainwave biofeedback, he says um, that advanced meditators, when they were taken into the lab by Richie Davidson, these uh, uh, Buddhist monks who had more than 10,000, excuse me, 10,000 hours of meditation as an average, um, that they saw that when they went into their state of meditation, which is a compassion meditation, that the frequency of the brain went into this very, very high frequency. It's called gamma, the gamma range. So this is, and this is a range that is actually where they think that feel like the, the neurons are resonating and they're communicating directly, not going through the electrical, chemical, normal communication, but the actual neurons are resonating and there's this resonance that comes at this very high frequency. That's an indication of this higher consciousness of this connection. And that's for <clears throat> was the, the measured experience of these uh, Buddhist monks. However, uh, just because the brain is showing this very high frequency doesn't mean that the experience of the person is hearing a very high frequency. See? So. Well, the, I'm thinking more than actually the sense of hearing is the experience of consciousness at that. Right. During. So, the, so the experience of consciousness, uh, remember, we're saying that that this expressive aspect is expressing as energy, which can be seen as frequency on all levels. So rather than thinking, okay, I'm going for this higher frequency, I'm thinking I'm going for all the frequencies. I want the whole thing. You know, I want the buffet. So, so consciousness is expressing this field of pure conscious awareness includes all frequencies from that which is way beyond the imagination of, you know, ultra high frequencies to ultra low frequencies, you know, the frequencies that whales communicate with, which are like, they're so low, you can't hear them. They're subsonic, but they travel a really long way. So we want to, I think, rather than trying to think of, you know, where, where are we going? And, and it's very common to think about higher frequencies of awareness, but I think more of expanded. So let's, you know, let's allow our field of awareness to become so expansive and so sensitive that we are aware of all that's happening, all that's experiencing. That, that makes sense. You know, and we're talking about models here. You know, this is like, you know, this we don't have mathematics and physics to go with this. We're talking about it's like this. It's not that, but it's like that. Okay. I have one more. Mm-hmm. The one technique that you have guided us through with uh, chanting Om through the chakras, mm -hmm. I'm wondering what kind of effect that has on this electromagnetic frequency, if, if that question makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, the chakras are the, they're the distribution points for prana, for the life force that's animating the body. So we have different pranas so we have the life force energy prana comes into the system and then it has like a step down transformer 
and it has to produce, it has to, to do different things. So one of the pranas, apanas, to, is the, the prana that's responsible for excretion, elimination. So there's a downward flowing uh, prana. There's a prana that's responsible for circulation. There's a prana that's responsible for uh, assimilation. So, so these different pranas, these different energies, come down into the chakras and the chakras then distribute them, change, alter them to be able to produce the functions that they do in the body. So when we're chanting OM through the chakras, we're actually bringing our awareness back into this central pathway, the central distribu distribution network in the Shushumna, in the central path in the spine. So we're bringing our attention back there and then by chanting OM and feeling, the, the most important thing is to get the feeling there. We're enlivening, we're allowing those centers to be, to, our awareness to be attuned to those centers and to enliven and to feel the energy flowing there because this helps the energy to flow uh, unimpeded. So it's, it's almost like we're opening up, you know, turning the hose, hose open so a little more energy will flow. And by going up and down the spine several times, we energize the chakras and we help to interiorize our attention now. Now our attention, what we're reaching out, atendare, what we're stretching and reaching out for is the sensation of this energy moving in the system. See, we're putting our attention inside, we're experiencing the world through the senses, through this input, but rather, we're reaching out to this essence of being and it expresses through prana, through life force. And then as we get totally attuned with that, then the life force we bring and we're, we're focusing all the life force, all the energy up here. And so this gives us a portal and access, a way to allow this field of awareness to be one with this larger field of awareness. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very powerful process, a very powerful technique. And it's one that, that as we work with it time and time again, it uh, produces effects. Okay. These are good questions. Thank you. Any, anything else for today? Hi, yes. hi, hi, Ron. Um, this is, this is more a question of curiosity and, um, partly related to a problem I have with computers. So we've, we've all heard of people who can't wear watches because the watch will stop over time. And I have that difficulty with laptop computers. So uh, we've managed to um, kind of work around it. I have a desktop and we have the modem removed away and, and that seems to help. And I'm assuming it, it has to do with the energy. I've been really curious about what it is about my energy at certain times um, that has that effect. And I wondered if you were aware or had any experience um, or comments on that. I, I, I have experience. <laughs> First, I have, this, uh, I have this wonderful thermometer or thermostat in my house. And all I have to do is come up and put my hand about this far away from it, and it turns on and, and you know asks me what I want to do. I'm not even touching it. So we have a there's a capacitive field. There's a field that's around us, and and there are more and more devices that are available these days that are 
You know, they're interacting with these fields that we have. You know, you can get by a lamp now. You go touch the lamp and it turns on. Just touch it. No switch. Um, so this is all the re also the result of the capacitance in this field that we're generating. So, so yeah, we have, you know, that's, uh, that's a thing. And I laughed about what you said because when I first moved back to work with Roy at CSA, uh, there was a printing plant where the office buildings are now. There was a, it was a printing business which had been created as a, uh, a money maker to support the uh, nonprofit corporation that eventually transformed into CSA, but this was before Roy. And so, <clears throat> so this was a big, a big printing plant. We were printing books, had a bindery, do, you know, could make paperback books and all kinds of things. And, uh, and this was still part of the corporation. So Roy had the department that was the teaching department. And the other department was this company that was being run by, by a fellow uh, as a kind of a private for-profit work operation. And they had gotten, uh, they had made a contract, taken a contract to do this huge job. They had a million report card folders for elementary schools all around the South. And so, uh, so a million report card folders, and there would be like 200 of this one, 400 of this one. And if you just do the math, when you have like a school, 200 or 400 report card folders, and you have to add up to a million, it's a huge, I mean, big thing. So, so when I first came back, um, they were in the middle of this crisis of trying to get all these report card folders done. And so Roy assigned me to go down and work in the printing plant. And they taught me how to run this little AB Dick uh, printing press, a small, small size printing press. And so my job was to print his material. So, uh, we, so I was printing flyers and um, uh, announcements and things that would be put in with the mailing and so forms and uh, newsletters and things like that. So whatever Roy needed, I would print those. And then, when I wasn't doing that, I was printing report card folders. So, and I observed, it's crazy. I mean, you've got this printing press and there's all this ink and things are rolling and paper going through. So Roy would come down to the printing plant to check on what I was printing when he was waiting for like a, a newsletter or something to be printed. He would come down and check just to see how the printing was coming out and how it looked. And as soon as he would walk up to the printing press, it would jam up. I mean, and this happened not once. This happened on a regular basis. It's like, what is happening here? So, so, and, you know, time and time again, I have to shut it off and the paper's going all over and clean the ink off or it's messed up and start over. It got to the place. I mean, I noticed this a couple times, but then it got to the place where, you know, it's, I would just when I saw him coming, I just shut it off, <laughs> wait because because um, this would happen. So why is that? What's the interaction? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I I observed this over a period of a couple of years, and it was more than just random chance. So. Thank you. It's so, reassuring to know that it's not negative energy. It's just energy. It's just energy. Yeah, it's just, you know, these things happen. All right.
So uh, thank you all for your patience and attention and for reaching out with your field of awareness so we can all be connected. And so we'll continue on to have a joyful day. Namaste.